Lights, camera, action. Hello and welcome to another edition of Movie Madness in association with Spitballing Pod. I'm Luke Byron, joined as always by Keenan Bonner, Sean Shoot, and Jack Harper. The matchup we'll be getting into this week is 2000's Gladiator against 1991's Point Break, as we continue our quest to determine the greatest action movie since 1990. How is everyone doing? Yeah, good, mate. Yeah, all good. Lovely. Got a... Dismal day outside, but livened up by uh, the Europa League being back on TV, Europe's premier competition. <laughs> and we've got two excellent films to get into. The fir- we've got a first for the pod by the fact that none of us had seen Point Break prior to this week. So we've got some fresh takes there. I know of Jack's opinion on it, but not sure on Keenan and Sean, so we'll get to that. Gladiator is where we will start. So. The synopsis. A former Roman general sets out to exact vengeance against the corrupt emperor who murdered his family and sent him into slavery. I assume everyone has seen Gladiator before. Yeah. 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 Had you seen it recently? Because I'd not seen it for, for a very long time. I'd not seen all of it recently. Like I've said a couple of times now, I'd go to rewatch it because I think what a brilliant film it is. And then fall asleep. Just after the first battle scene. I'd never made it through. Yeah, I was selling it there. That was our way of selling the podcast. Jack fell asleep during one of the films that we're going into. (laughs) (laughs) I did find out um, that a year after this was released, Gladiator in cinemas, they actually re-released it in cinemas because people were so keen to see it again. So that kind of shows you what a big film it was. I think it's one of those... A year later. And that's not as common as it is these days. You know when they say you need to see this film on a big screen, I think like this is probably the epitome because it was, if I remember, there wasn't that many big battle scenes before this film came out. It was kind of like a new thing, whereas now they're almost the norm. You see them with Lord of the Rings, The Hobbits, kind of well, TV you, shows, whereas this was one of the first massive battle scenes. You're going into it with Ridley Scott, aren't you, where he kind of self-tagged himself, gave himself the like Mourinho special one where he said, uh, he doesn't just create films, he creates entire worlds. And so, putting a stamp on that and then going back to a time like this where there's so many like minute details that you need from the costume to the setting, even just the size of different things, kind of set himself the task and had to live up to it. See, I thought this, and the, the amount of detail in the film is amazing, but then at the same time, at the start of the film, they were fighting a war in like Germany and he got back to his villa in Spain just as the posse turned up and I'd, kind of saw I the remains the, of what happened they essentially just thought don't worry about accents we're in Rome but it's sound American yeah. accents that's what we need <laughs> I suppose though how many kind of ancient Latin accents are kicking around at that around at this day and age well, in fairness you watched the raid with dub language so this is yeah. your this is your forte. <laughs> it's true. Critics reviews then. So I've got 
quite a few for each again just to see with some of these because there aren't so many bad ones so <laughs> I kind of try to give us more of a mix but a mesmerising vastly updated take on ancient barbarism clashing with politics betrayal and vengeance uh, in general a handsome film and it is in general a rousing spectacle albeit one that has needlessly compromised the action scenes that ought to be its strongest selling point do you think they compromise the action scenes here? I'm trying to think of what they mean by that? Compromised in what way? How, how I took it was that they could have been more bloody, but that's only because I kind of put it up against things like Spartacus, where they go completely in and you're seeing like livers be pulled out of people and well, all this kind of, of thing. There's a lot of cutaway, a lot of cutaway scenes, isn't it? You don't really yeah. see a lot of it. So. It's all about the rating, though, isn't it? It's all mass audience. It, I, yeah. I think I, commercially that if this film is an 18 does it do as well but we can kind of see can't we because we bad boys 2 is the one i go back to where all the reviews were like there's no need for this to be so gory and like when we looked to it we were like is it that gory when you look at like today's kind of thing so i don't know what they would have been expecting back in uh the year 2000 and i guess effects have come a long way and it's going to take out the realism if they are overdoing it. Maybe it's contextual, though. Because in the context of Bad Boys, in its two coppers, you think, oh, this might be overdoing it because they're two Miami PD officers. Whereas if you weren't in a Coliseum with Gladiators, well, I mean, it is literally life or death. So you are, maybe you are just expecting a couple of beds getting locked off. So, <laughs> that might, so I mean, it might just be a contextual thing. Do you reckon <laughs> someone's had to... Sorry, Sean, I was just saying, someone's had to kind of put their arm around Ridley Scott and say, like, Obviously, he's done Alien. It's like, we, we don't need anything bursting out of someone's chest in this. Like, <laughs> you can tell a story in a different way here. No, I mean, he's a phenomenal filmmaker. I think they probably just handed him the, key, the keys to the city and went, do, do your thing. But we had with Michael Bay, didn't we? They were like, Michael Bay does Michael Bay, and so Ridley Scott here isn't necessarily doing Ridley Scott. No, but again, there's a lot less. There's no sci-fi, and there's probably a lot less explosions outside of the, the original <laughs> war scenes. Do you know what I mean? They're not. They ain't chucking grenades about are they? So it's it's going to be a lot less. What were you going to say, Sean? I was just thinking, like on a point, like how mad is it that like that was an actual thing? Like you used to just imagine, like go with your mates and you go into Coliseum just to see murder. And just all of that blood and just see people die. The thing is, going for the three pm Saturday kickoff. Yeah, you wouldn't want the accumulator. The thing is, you can imagine it though, because if there's a bad tackle that goes in, you want blood. Like if you saw, say after that Pickford challenge at the weekend, if you'd seen kind of (laughs) some Liverpool fan or Liverpool player pull out a sword and just hack Jordan Pickford to death, that would have that would have added something to that game, I think. Well, even when Sky, when you get a bad tackle and they, it's like, this is bad, won't show you the pictures. Therefore, it's like, come on, should you yeah. show us the pictures? <laughs> yeah. Um, not like Seth, when Eduardo had his leg broken, he's still on that, the pitch. That Eduardo <laughs> one's the one you always go back to when that ankle's twisted round. It's just, it's not great. Well, even when watching MMA, when me and Rory are watching it, and even more so when you've got an acker on, so this ties in with what Sean said, when you see someone in like an arm bar and they're not tapping, we're both screaming, snap it. Snap it. Take, <laughs> take, take his arm home with you. <laughs> Rarely happens, but I can see how you could get, you could get well into the.
gladiator business. Yeah, I mean, I imagine that I'm not, they're not in any way, shape, or form suggesting I'd be above it. If I was there, if I was there, <laughs> I'd, I'd be, I would confirm oh, yeah, that I'd confirm that on. Yeah. Got a guy going up, up and down the stairs selling hot dogs. I'd be taking my man Claudius, <laughs> uh, Claudius at one to two. Yeah, I'm all over it. <laughs> uh, Ridley Scott takes an age-old formula and utilizes it remarkably well, enhancing but never overdoing it with digital effects that help raise the ruins of the Colosseum and capturing the magnificence and casual brutality of the culture. That kind of goes what we just said there. Yeah, I found that that that's completely right. It didn't go over the top, and I don't. The, the problem is with like 2000s films. When they went over the top, you could really tell. <laughs> um, like, Sometimes it works, like my film Batman and Robin. Sometimes you've got to go over the top. Shite. Uh, this may be fundamentally this may be fundamentally Saturday Night Entertainment, but Scott attempts rather more than that on occasion, and at least succeeds in creating a memorable sense of a dark and often frightening period of time. That ties in with our comedy reviews as well, doesn't it? Where being Saturday Night Entertainment is seen as a bad thing by a critic. And I don't, I've never, I say, said no. it all the time, I say it all the time when it comes up, I don't know why that was a bad thing. No. That, yeah. If, especially yeah. if it's what you're aiming for. If it's what you're yeah. aiming for, then, then, yeah, like, shoot your shot. It, it's a, they said it with That's My Boy constantly, didn't they? And we were like, well, yeah. that's literally what we've tuned in for. Yeah. <laughs> it, um, it, yeah. So, cool. the next one, sorry, I thought I'd written my Tinder bio in here. Gladiator is a remarkable spectacle of unforgivable length. <laughs> <laughs> Can you please start referring to your chopper as Gladiator? If we take nothing else from movie masters, can that just start becoming a thing? Uh, gladiator, you can shout Gladiator ready. Gladiator is filled with brilliant filmmaking and it features outstanding performances, but it's neither profound enough nor pop enough to be great. It's mournful, serious, beautiful, and finally, pointless. Harsh. That's uh, harsh. It is, but I mean, also, again, isn't, it isn't killing someone for sport pointless in, in, its own, <laughs> in itself. Yeah. Well, we've got a uh, beefcake blood Body slammed, boring, boring. Well, not quite, but at 150 minutes, Gladiator isn't exactly the thrilling, action-packed Roman epic some fans of the genre were expecting, nor will tell you it is. Interesting. Beefcake's a very 2000s word as well, isn't it? I yeah. feel like if you, I can kind of see where it's come from in the sense that that opening battle scene was completely irrelevant to the whole film. <laughs> like... They, well, they, they put that show you put, Maximus is. Yeah, I know, a, but they they put that battle scene in there because they thought, right, I want to do a Roman battle scene, and this story isn't about Roman battles; it's about a gladiator. But I want to get this in there just so it beca- they, they try to elevate what, uh, it to an epic status. Yeah, then they pretty. No, to be fair, no, I do slightly disagree because I agree with Byron because it ties in obviously that the old man wants to give him keys to the kingdom. He says, "You'll you'll 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 be you'll be my one," basically. And then it builds it <clears throat> without that battle scene and his heroics as he comes back. The tension between um, Russell Crowe and Joaquin Phoenix just isn't there, really, is it? Because even um, yeah, yeah, in can see that. He kind of because they're mates, they're mates before, aren't they? He keeps yeah, refers him, to him as his brother and all, and he's like, "Look, you're the son I basically always wanted." Him um, saying, uh, 
what a shame if I missed the battle is absolutely what I would be doing if I was in that position of power. What a shame <laughs> I missed it. I missed it by ten minutes. Him saying, uh, I'll slay a hundred bulls in your honour. Save the bulls. Don't, don't worry about that. <laughs> yeah. Um, Scott triumphantly transports us back to the Roman Empire circa 180 AD with a painter's eye for a detail, a proven talent for manufacturing exotic realities such as the future shock of Blade Runner and a sweet tooth for utter spectacle. Uh, Gladiator is a movie of such astounding scope and sweep and such masterful storytelling that it makes its storyline seem classic rather than cliched. And to tie in with what Jack opened this with, uh, an exhilarating, sweeping epic that begs to be seen on the largest possible screen. Come nicely full circle there. There, there is quite a lot of trivia, so I'll rip through some, and if you want to jump in on any of them, obviously, feel free to cut me off. Um, five tigers were brought in for the scene in the arena where Maximus fights Tigris the Gaul. The veterinarian armed with tranquilizer darts was present the entire time for safety's sake. I would hope so. And uh, <laughs> Russell Crowe was kept at least 15 feet away from the Tigers. So, no CGI there. They really did bring in the Tigers. They essentially had to go to the local zoo and ask to rent them because they were having issues like shipping them in. How much do you reckon it costs to rent a Tiger? I, I reckon it. it's probably... Scarily less than what you would think. Really, I think it. I, I, yeah, I think it. I sort of agree. I think, but I still think it's like an astronomical sum. I don't know what you'd do. With it. I don't know what I would do if I could rent a tiger. Get your exotic. Yeah. Well, I watched Donnie Brasco again last night, and they kind of don't make such a big deal about the fact that he's got a lion in the back of his car for half the film. Yeah, make it make even less of a deal when he reveals the lion. He's like, yeah, he <laughs> said you said you like lions, yeah, mate. Min. Joaquin Phoenix ad libbed his scream of "Am I not merciful?" Connie Nielsen wasn't expecting it, and so her frightened reaction was genuine. Fair play. Uh, Oliver Reed or Proximo died three weeks before principal photography ended. Since he was considered a key character, a clause in the movie's insurance coverage, meant that these exist, would have allowed the filmmakers to reshoot all of his scenes with another actor, and the insurers would have paid for it at an estimated 25 million. However, most of the actors and crew were exhausted from the punishing schedule, and Ridley Scott didn't want to cut him from the movie. Nice of him. So the script was rewritten, a body double and CGI were used to give Reed's character a plausible resolution. There you go. Like the first thing was essentially they were knackered, not that this bloke's dedicated like the end of his life to this film. <laughs> um, Hans Zimmer's score is one of the best-selling movie soundtracks of all time. Connie Nielsen found the 2,000-year-old signet ring that she wears in the movie in an antique store. I don't say how much she paid for it, which could be a whole other thing. Uh, the wounds on Russell Crowe's face after the opening battle scene are real, caused when his horse startled and backed him into tree branches. Uh, if you watch again, the stitches in his cheek are clearly visible when he's telling Commodus he intends to return home. I've got some casting what-ifs for you. Um, Mel Gibson was offered the lead role, as seems to have been the case in every <laughs> film so far. We needed, we needed Mel Gibson alongside Will Smith in Bad Boys. Uh, 
he turned it down at 43. He felt he was too old to play Maximus. Essentially, he's getting offered all these great roles, and he just thinks, I'm, I'm a bit too old for this. He's got that with Mad Max now. You've missed a chance, surely. He's too old for this shit. <sighs> Come on, now. Lethal Weapon. Um, I'm not a Lethal Weapon fan, but I do intend to rewatch. I've only seen the first, I didn't like it. Disappointed in you. Yeah, Troy said that as well. <laughs> not about Lethal Weapon, necessarily. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> um, Hugh Jackman and Antonio Banderas were considered for the role of Maximus. Mm, Bandera? Wow. <laughs> I'd be all he, over. I would love that. They, they both auditioned as well. But didn't get it. Antonio Banderas. Zorro to Maximus would have been sensational. <laughs> or Maximus to Zorro would have been there. Uh, Russell Crowe became good friends with Sir Richard Harris during filming a friendship that unfortunately lasted only a few years until Harris's death in 2002. Oliver Reed, on the other hand, took an instant dislike to Crowe, despite Reed being good friends with Harris. At one point on set, Reed even challenged Crowe to a fight. Yeah. So, even in his last last weeks, he's willing to throw hands with Russell Crowe. <laughs> Who, depending on who you read, some say he's like the nicest bloke ever, whereas others do say that he is like the biggest asshole going. I can see both as well. I think it depends on what type of, I think it sort of depends on who you are. Because I feel like you see him sometimes and like look at the people he's with and you're like, yeah, I bet they're, they're quite a good laugh. And then you have a look at other things, you're like, yeah, I get why people say he might be an asshole. <laughs> I've got a bit more on that actually, which we'll get to. Um, this is Russell Crowe's favourite of the American movie he's done, and he cites Maximus as his favourite character. Um, from the outset, Ridley Scott made it quite clear that this sword and sandals movie would not feature any of the genre's cliches of people lounging around eating grapes and drinking from goblets. He wanted to create a more realistic vision of ancient Rome. Uh, it's a common misconception that a Roman emperor put his thumb upwards to signify that a gladiator was to be spared. The thumb down meant that there would be no mercy for a down gladiator. So, in reality, the gesture was the other way around. Thumb up symbolised a sword action and thus death, and thumbs down a sheathed sword and mercy. The crew was aware of this, but they said that as thumbs up is considered to be a, a good sign nowadays, they didn't want to confuse the audience. Yeah, I can see why they've done that. Uh, I, saw, I saw like an info piece the other day where Gladiators didn't actually fight to the death, and it really ruins kind of <laughs> a lot of films and history for me in general. So I'm trying to block that out of my mind. Okay. Um, originally, Maximus was supposed to fight Proximo in the Colosseum after being recaptured. Um, this was going to be the penultimate blow from Commodus, um, but Oliver Reed's death forced a rewrite. I'm kind of glad. So that's the case. <laughs> yeah, I would not have wanted to see that fight. <laughs> Might have given Russell chance. Who would have given Russell Crowe his chance just to, just to give Ollie Reed a dig, though, wouldn't it? <laughs> Stop him out in the car park, don't fancy it, and then the Coliseum just throwing body bills at him. Him offering that scrap, him offering it in the Coliseum would have been class <laughs> on his part. You and me, Coliseum, 3pm. <laughs> Bring your gloves, I'll see you at the back of the Tigers. Um, although Commodus was initially favoured by the Roman people, he lost that status through dramatic acts of megalomania and is often considered the initiator of the fall of Rome. During his reign, he incorporated his name into many common terms, uh, such as the term for money and the people. 
so essentially when the citizens and the Senate had enough, he was poisoned. He vomited out the poison, much to their despair, and so uh, he was strangled in the bath. <laughs> so that was how the real uh, Commodus went out. They then took down the many statues of himself that he put up and went back to the original names for all of the terms that he'd renamed. Nice. Injuries for Russell Crowe on set. He lost all the feeling in his right forefinger for two years after a sword fight. He aggravated an Achilles tendon injury, broke a foot bone, cracked a hip bone, and popped a few bicep tendons out of their sockets. So he was oh. in the wars quite literally. Committed to his craft. You've got to give him that. Yeah. <laughs> uh, for the scenes in the Colosseum, in addition to some real-life extras and digital ones, 400 cardboard cutouts were used. Uh, it's basically where we are today. Yeah. <laughs> Jack Gleeson um, modelled his character Joffrey Baratheon in Game of Thrones after Commodus, which you can see when you do kind of compare the two. Yeah, that's true. Um, Russell Crowe explained why he said yes to the movie. They said, it's a $100 million film and you're being directed by Ridley Scott. You play a Roman general. And he said that was enough to get him involved. I mean, if someone said that to me, <laughs> 100% I'm in. Um, like modern day athletes ancient Roman gladiators did do product endorsements the producers considered including this in the script but discarded the idea as unbelievable have you ever seen obviously like, like in Talladega Nights imagine Russell Crowe just trying to knock out a bit of brink under <laughs> or like in the Knight's Tale when they put the Nike swoosh on him aren't they <laughs> um, this is the most like American movie making ever. In uh, on visiting the real Coliseum, Ridley Scott remarked to production designer that it was too small, so they designed an outsized Rome of the imagination. I mean, in fairness, Ridley Scott isn't American, but I guess that's an American filmmaking. Kind yeah. of, uh, it's pandering to an American audience, isn't it? All filmmaking essentially, and then if you do well elsewhere, uh, from Hollywood, yeah, I suppose. Um. Joaquin Phoenix was incredibly nervous on set and would ask Russell Crowe to rough him up before their big scene together so he could psych himself up. Crowe was at a loss and went to Sir Richard Harris for advice, saying, mate, what are we going to do with this kid? He's asking me to abuse him before takes. Um, Harris thought for a while and instead they just got him pissed, as they said, and they took him away for several hours, plied him with several pints of Guinness, and that relaxed him before the big scene. Nice. So there you go. Joaquin Phoenix. He's been roughed up by Russell Crowe. In the original draft of the script, the name of the main character was not Maximus, but Narcissus, who's the name of the man that strangled Commodus in real life. If Commodus had turned down the role... If Joaquin Phoenix, sorry, turned down the role of Commodus, then their next pick was Jude Law. I could have seen that. Yeah. Chicks love Jude Law. If you've they watched... do, but I don't think he's got it in him to be. <laughs> well, <laughs> we'll, we'll come to we'll come to about the, the villain, but if you watch the new King Arthur, I say the new King Arthur, the one with David Beckham, one of the worst films yeah. I've ever seen. Yeah, he's the bad guy, yeah. old worldy bad guy in that. It turns he... into that Lord of the Rings PS4 game at the end. Yeah, is that, that that's what ruined it because at first you kind of think this is like Snatch, but. Oldie worldy. It wasn't, but then it goes all CGI and weird. 
it wasn't them sneaking David Beckham in either like they insinuated. It was them having him on screen for about five minutes, just constantly panning back to his face going, can you see this is David Beckham? <laughs> yeah. This was DreamWorks for double disc DVD. You know, anyone had the perils of the Goodfellas two disc DVD where you have to swap yeah. over halfway through. Yeah, I had that. Yeah. He turns over and it's a scene where he wakes up in bed and Karen's got the gun in his face. Uh, Ridley Scott resisted any suggestion that Maximus and Lucilla should have a sexual relationship because it would decrease his need to be with his murdered wife and son. Russell Crowe was also against it. He said it wasn't in his character. Yeah, I thought this. And uh, Joaquin Phoenix got so involved in the scene where Commodus murdered his father that he actually fainted afterwards. Wow, <laughs> he he seems like a fucking odyssey, doesn't he? Like everything you read, everything you see and hear about him, he just. I wonder what he did in his Joker audition. I don't know. Going back, he seems to... a very weird bloke. Yeah. Go, going back to that point before about the need to be with his yeah. dead wife and kid, I I kind of thought it just clicked this time round. Watching, I was like, he's been away for twelve years on this campaign. He hasn't seen his wife and kid for like 12 years. Yeah. So, after 12 years, you can probably count on I don't care about people 12 years ago. What Him saying how respectful he is to his wife, and then um, Juba asks him what he says to his wife. He's like, I can't tell you that, but I'm telling my son to stay on his horse. What kind of yeah. filthy messages he's sending his wife from beyond the green. <laughs> <laughs> Um, so that, that's all the trivia. Sean, shall we get to the big questions? Yeah, yeah. Do you uh, want to go with be... yours first, or do you want to close out with it? Uh, yeah, I was, was going to say, do you want to do your... I think you had yeah, to, okay. You? I got a and couple. then I'll do my one after. All right, you sound a bit quiet there. I don't know if you've gone away from your mic. Um, no, I'm still here. First of all, yeah, it's just sound you a bit further away. First of all, how would Maximus do on the actual Gladiator TV show? He gets turned over by my boy Wolf. Same <laughs> thing Sean said. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, shoot. <laughs> <sighs> I mean, whatever you put in front of him, he nails. Do you know what I mean? Except Wolf. Except Lucilla. <laughs> <laughs> that one where you have to go through... You like have to, it's like in a little tunnel and you have to go through all of them. And you leave Wolf to the end. I don't think he gets past Wolf at the end. <laughs> um, what was more impressive, Maximus throwing down his sword in the final battle with Commodus, or Peter Lafleur covering his eyes with Patch's sweat rag in the final of the ADAA International Dodgeball Tournament in Las Vegas? <laughs> Wash your I think it's Peter Lafleur. Yeah, I dog. think it's Peter Lafleur as well. The dog, I do. and then hitting it as well. And the fact that Commodus is a little bitch, whereas Dwight, whereas White really ain't. <laughs> White's about this. <laughs> Can we redo Gladiator with um, Vince Vaughn as Maximus and Ben Stiller <laughs> as uh, Commodus? I, I'm, I'm not even kidding. If they if they put a comedy angle on it, I would watch the fuck out of that. <laughs> we can have an, an adult Justin Long as Lucius. but yeah I'm going with uh, both ridiculous decisions more so Maximus by the fact that his life is at stake and it annoyed me watching it 
Who are you proving anything to here? Chucking your blade away. You waited all this time to butcher him, and then you're chucking it away, throwing elbows. But it all paid off, I guess. And finally, I had. What would you do in Proximus's shoes? Would you sell out Maximus when they come to the gates? Or do you stand stand and fight like you're in the GSE? <laughs> Depends what the price on his head is. Stand and fight. Stand your ground. <laughs> <laughs> Depends what the price on his head is, mate. Well, I mean, he got away from the fact that Maximus is his slave. Yeah. So... If it's, he, if it's you or him, exactly. Say to them, "This is what I paid for him. He's worth a bit more now because he's had some good wins." Can you increase the offer they've made? Try and be reasonable about this. This is Have why we cast we cast Proxmo's Ellie Hearn. <laughs> Christ's sake! This that is, wasn't this... my recasting. And this... Sean, what was your? Uh... Well, I'll give you a question. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so just a moment from your a moment from your life, if you could go back in time, and then you're able to say after it, are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? <laughs> are you not entertained? Are you not entertained? Is this not why you are here? But it can't be. It can't be a sport related one. So it can't be like scoring a goal. It just has to be a normal thing that you've done in life. Uh, I, this one is probably a light-hearted one, but when I fell off a, when I fell off a boat drunk in Zanet, I'd like to be able to come up from the water screaming, "Are you not entertained?" Rather than, <laughs> rather that than fucking, whereas whereas thinking, "Fucking out my stomach hurts because I've just barely flopped off the second second deck of a boat." Oh, mate, nearly died drowning off the boat in Calum. Oh, I didn't <laughs> nearly like, die, but like oh. Simon from the Inbetweeners. I yeah, yeah. <laughs> just fell off. I fell off. Like, I tried. I jump in if you want. I went to a foot, just slipped, and I have gone. It was. It wasn't pretty. On my twentieth birthday, I think it was. Um, two kids I went out with claimed they were buying me a shot, and got one of them flatliners, the ones with Tabasco in it, oh, and I had them lined horrible. up, and I had to do like four or five of them. Essentially, um, I did them, and then they paid the barman to not give me another drink. So I was just stuck with it. So that would essentially be my I you know, entertain moment. Or choking out Scott D after England versus Sweden, um, <laughs> and then rising to my feet as he's uh, struggling for breath. I thought that one yours... was more of a. I thought yours might have been when you uh, when you KO'd Joe, uh, when you KO'd well, him outside King Walk. There was a bit more worry in that one, in fact, initially than yes, completely. He said that I couldn't perform a John Cena FU on him, now known as an attitude <laughs> adjustment. Um, <laughs> I said that I could. For some reason, he allowed this on concrete. Um, oh my God, what an animal. And so he was he was knocked out cold, but I, I was there's a, celebrating. There's a video of it somewhere as well. Have you forgot the video? Yeah. Please was, send that to me. I, I was celebrating and then turned back in. He wasn't moving. <laughs> and then we went, then we went and 
put him to bed after, which people criticise. But look, he wanted a snooze. He may have been concussed, and you may not. Be, I didn't know that. You don't put someone to sleep after they bang their head. So, yeah, good shout, Sean. Well, that, um, half, well, half of that, I? I wouldn't have had much of a defence there. Yeah. <laughs> I said I didn't mean to, and they said, witnesses say you were standing over the body. <laughs> um, mine would probably have to be this one time at school. I think we were just loitering around the centre of the field in the middle of some younger years game of rugby or football or something, and this kid was running absolutely full tilt, and I just dropped the shoulder straight into him, and he just did not rise from the floor. I think I would have done that. I think that would have been the moment. As I look back on it, I think that's such a bastard thing to do. But I wouldn't change it. I would do it again. <laughs> or throw an egg. We egged someone's house in Adelaide going back 10 years now. And it was one of those where you throw the eggs and it landed like three eggs simultaneously on this conservatory roof. And you see the door open you think, oh shit, he's in there. And then he's vaulted the fence afterwards and chased after us. And there's about 15 of us as well, and we all sprint away, thinking, hang on a minute, if we all just turn around, he'd shit. Um, but one of those moments, I think, egg in, are you not entertained, go hand in hand. What, do you have an answer, Sean? Uh, yeah, I was, I was thinking of two. One, similar lines, I guess, Keen in terms of ins and but that time, while well, you were there as well, Byron, when we won... So we won the fishbowl when there was like yep. five of us and three girls again, obviously loads of groups of lads. And we won that one. So possibly that in the middle of the bar. But then the other one, which I wasn't technically involved in fighting, but then there was a period at school where we set up a little cordon like between like a cage and then had fights in there. And then people would go in there and just have fights. And then I was part of organising that. They're probably saying you're not entertained after, after one of those fights. Do you, do you not know what the first rule of fight club is, though, Sean? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but that was crazy. It, just, it, had a, well, it had a good run. It had like a good two lunchtime run. And then it just got really A brief, good run then with two, two lunch times. <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah, on the third one, it just got too brutal. And there was blood, there was crying, and everyone just ran away. But, yeah, like either of those are options. Out and ourselves as pigs here. Really Other than Keenan, who's maybe kept some dark secrets in tow. <laughs> you are correct, my friends. <laughs> <laughs> All right, then. So, rewatchability for Gladiator. At two and a half hours long, I dare say this isn't the most rewatchable film in the bracket. No. Yeah, I think I think testament the fact that I've tried at least five times to rewatch I, it. I, I thought you were going to say then that it was rewatchable, and I was going to mention that, so I'm glad you <laughs> didn't. It's, yeah. it's, it is one of them, the same as Bad Boys last week. If I put, if I see it's on, I will always flick it on and see whereabouts in the film it is. Yeah, if it's it, it's one of those where there are scenes that I will rewatch without fail, um, but I wouldn't I wouldn't rush to I wouldn't rush to sit through the old two and a half hours again as much as I do love it. Yeah, I was I was similar to Jack. I, I only watched it fully fairly recently, like within the last year, because every other time I tried to watch it I'd get like half hour in and fall asleep or give up or watch something else. So yeah, it's not not a rewatchable one, but obviously it's still a great film. If if we go on to uh, the quotes then, so 
one that caught me off guard was um, those giraffes you sold me, they won't mate. They just walk around eating and not mating. You sold me queer giraffes and I want my money back. <laughs> <laughs> I had that one down, yeah. Who, anyone else got some? I mean, it's been redone and tattooed on so many people and in people's Twitter bios all, all over the place, but what we do in life echoes in eternity. And I feel like almost dirty saying it because it's so <laughs> obvious. And so many people have just used the shit out of that saying. But, as if, but, but just as if, just as an example, just someone from Gloucester who lives a normal life, as if what they do is going to echo in eternity. Yeah. <laughs> like, that's the thing. It's like only God can judge me, those kind of types. Obviously, we've done, oh, you're not entertaining yeah. me. You've got fa- father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. You do have a name. My name is Gladiator. How dare you show your back to me? Slave! Will you remove your helmet and tell me your name? My name is Maximus Decimus Meridius, commander of the armies of the North, general of the Felix Legions, loyal servant to the true emperor, Marcus Aurelius, father to a murdered son, husband to a murdered wife, and I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. I actually think it's better. I One, I like probably better and it um, just doesn't, but it doesn't really ever go said. It's death smiles, up, smiles us all. All a man do, all a man can do. Sorry, is smile back. Well, there, there's a story with the go back to the um, I'll have my vengeance. There's a story about when Russell Crowe got the script here, and I, I wasn't sure if it's one of them that kind of Chinese whispered its way to be a bigger thing. But he apparently stormed off set the first time where they they shot this because he was refusing to say that because he said it was just a stupid line and mm. he went off on one on um, the scriptwriters saying that like this isn't a comic book movie kind of thing this is pathetic this line it's not something his character would say he said he was too good of an actor and in the end he essentially came back and said because I'm this good of an actor I can make this line work but mm. I'll have you know on the record I think it's terrible kind of thing and then when he saw it back on camera he he sticks by what he says, but he says the filmmakers just did a good job in making it look like it was a good line. <laughs> um, a general who became a slave, a slave who became a gladiator, a gladiator who defied an emperor. It's just is is a mint quote, to be fair. Yeah. As it as is ultimately, we are all dead men. Sadly, we cannot choose how, but we can decide how we meet that end in order that we are remembered as men. Well, very well, much, well, very similar, very similar vein to what we do in this life echoes in eternity. Where he says at the end, you would fight me. Why not? Do you think I'm afraid? I think you've been afraid all your life. Anything that is said, <laughs> and then you give that stare after, you can say just about anything. Where he says, um, like the frost makes your blade stick. It isn't that cool of a line, but because he then goes on to kill him afterwards, does make it ten times cooler. Yeah. Yeah. Um, 
there are there are quite a few that I do do like in uh, this actually surprisingly more than I ever remembered. Same, I laughed um, at Commodus saying it vexes me. I'm terribly vexed because I remember <laughs> when being vexed was a thing when that was a phrase <laughs> being used. That was a thing. Yeah, um, I don't pretend to be a man of don't pretend to be a man of the people, but I do try to be a man for the people. It just all fits in mostly with the actual themes of the film, doesn't it? The dialogue in it is is, is actually pretty banging. Commodus has some sensational monologues. Yeah, fair. Where he's, he, the one that starts where he's got um, Lucius next to him and he says he knew they were little busy bees and one night he sat down, he looked at her and said, tell me what you've been doing kind of thing. Mm. Ends with, what do you think happened, Lucius? They, the little bee told him everything. But the Emperor Claudius knew that they were up to something. He knew they were busy little bees. And one night he sat down with one of them and he looked at her and he said, tell me what you've been doing, busy little bee, or I shall strike down those dearest to you. You shall watch as I bathe in their blood. And the emperor was heartbroken. Little bee had wounded him more deeply than anyone else could ever have done. And what do you think happened then, Lucius? I don't know, Uncle. The little bee taught him everything. And she was a snake there because she put this whole plan in action. He gave her one look and she ratted the whole plan out. So it yeah, I thought this. Don't know why she got such a pass there. Um, and then on the kind of flip side of that, where Commodus is saying, Lucius will stay with me now, and if his mother so much as looks at me in a manner displeases me, he'll die. If she decides to be noble and take her own life, he will die. You will love me as I loved you. Um, How does incest you'll... get banged back into this as well? Like, <laughs> fucking Just hell. about every film we've had stuff. <laughs> oh no, genuinely. It's, it had a great look for Pod, I'll be honest. <laughs> uh, Rashus's speech about why Commodus would be successful when he says I think he knows what Rome is, Rome is the mob conjure magic for them and they'll be distracted take away their freedom and they'll still roar the beating heart of Rome is not the marble of the senate, it's the sand of the Colosseum so bring them death and they will love him for it I also talking of Rome, I do like the speech where he says there was once a dream that was Rome. It, you could do nothing but whisper it. Anything more than a whisper and it would vanish. Joel, that line reminded me of, and for the first time when I watched it this week, one of your favourite films by uh, King Arthur with uh, Clive. I'm Clive sure. Oh, is it? Yeah. It? yeah. Well, reminded well, me, it reminded in, me of that. I slid in the dream. DMs of uh, Ray Winston this week to try and get him on the pod. Fuck, you know, we got no chance. That would be unreal, though. No replies of yet, but... Yeah, but it did remind me of that. It just echoes the sentiment of a fallen Rome and what it, what a sort of pi- sort of pinnacle of democracy it was at one point, and then how it just fades away. Uh, Maximus at the start giving it the three weeks from now I'll be harvesting my crops. Imagine where you will be uh, if you find yourself alone riding in the green fields with the sun in your face. Do not be troubled if you're in Elysium and you're already dead. <laughs> I may roar for that as well. Yeah, it's a bit like a, <laughs> a bit like the old War Boys in Mad Max, and it? just yeah. sort of waiting for it. Um, 
Commodus saying, uh, Father, I would have butchered the whole world if only you would love me. Jesus Christ, you're a bitch, isn't it? <laughs> You've got to blame this all on uh, Caesar, really. It's his fault, Marcus Aurelius. Mm. And Proximo just getting touched on his shoulder and suddenly he's charmed. <laughs> when he's defending himself, I didn't say I knew him, I said he touched my shoulder. <laughs> if we uh, carry on, unless anyone has any others to check in. No, I'm good. No, all good. Uh, best moment slash scene. I'd go for the one you, you referenced, Keenan, where Commodus and Maximus do come face to face and he reveals who he is. Mm, big fun. Yeah, it's hard not to choose that one, but I feel like that one because you've chosen that one. But I'm I mean, probably going to go with the Siege of Carthage, the first Colosseum battle where they're all in the chariots and it's all absolute <laughs> fucking mayhem. We haven't even mentioned the Oh, you're not entertained scene as well. Yeah. <laughs> Big fan of the Tigers as well. Like, that's, yeah. one of them, that's one of them that if I know us coming up, I'm there for it without yeah. <laughs> That wasn't like a, a Ridley Scott thing. They really did have these trap doors in the Colosseum that they would yeah, open yeah. up and have things inside of, whether it was snakes, whether it was who knows what. So A lot of people do doubt that, but no, that was a uh, legitimate thing there. Sean, uh, what about you? Uh, yeah, other than I like the, the Commodus and Aurelia scene where he ends up actually killing him, but I think they're, when they're speaking then, it's a really good scene when he's talking about why he's obviously going to make Maximus the emperor, he's not going to be emperor, and you can see him turning and then he kills him. Um, yeah, yeah, I quite like that. And then obviously it leads to then Maximus getting captured and then getting killed, well, about to get killed and he escapes. So, yeah, that one. Best side character. I went for my man Juba. Sorry, it was Juba or Proximal for me. Yeah, I was split fifty-fifty on even. I could take either of those. But with a, with a special with a special nod to my guy Cicero, but that's only purely because I really like Tommy Cranigan. <laughs> what about you, Jack? Yeah, Proximo for me. Um, the body count in this film is seventy-seven. By the way, um, what I discovered today, you know, in Knocked Up, where they think they're the first ones to make uh, Mister Skin. Yeah, they could have been the first ones. That there's a website purely dedicated to movie body counts, and they're gradually adding them in. And Gladiator just happens to be one of the ones that they had updated. So, seventy-seven people die on screen in Gladiator as they mm. sit and watch that with their uh, tally chart. It's um, it's another thing. It's a, it's an odd one, isn't it? Because like with so many other films that we are going to encounter. In reality, the body count is just genuinely, like, it should be like thousands, but you just can't. Yeah. You have to, yeah. you like, this is where. Yeah, this maybe, is on screen body count. Yeah, no, I know, but maybe this is what they talk about when they're talking about sort of compromised violence, because even in that first siege, if they wanted to, they could have just played the first battle scene. They could have just played that out for a little bit longer and just shown everyone getting up, <laughs> get, just getting ripped off and they're just being like a hundred. Like you see it in other films where it's almost montage esque. Where it's just slice, 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 etc. I'm looking, et I'm looking forward to seeing 300's body count. <laughs> <laughs> that is exactly what you've just described. But... Yeah, but do you know what I mean? So the, yeah, you show it exactly. in, and you see bang, 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 but in this you, you, you don't quite. It is a little bit more refined. Yeah, the, either the that. The battle, for worse, is up to you. Kill Bill. 
Kill Bill's going to be a great body count. With um, most creative use of weaponry, what did uh, you take? The tiger. I've gone for the wrong end of the sword where he escapes his captors at the start. Where he just grabs the blade and smacks him with the handle. I've gone for Commodus literally using his chest <laughs> as a weapon. <laughs> yeah, that's... That really yeah, is saying it was chest. Also, uh, nice little one. I'm not sure he starts bleeding out of his mouth though when he gets acted in the foot because he's alright up until that point. Um, Sean? Yeah, I had the same as, I was struggling to really think of one, so I had the same as Jack with the, the sword where he escapes. It's pretty cut and dry, isn't it? It's like, here's a sword, here's dead people. <laughs> That's like, make yeah. what you want of it. Um, I think if we go on to point break, then we'll come back around, so. Here we go then. So none of us had seen this beforehand. Um, synopsis. An FBI agent goes undercover to catch a gang of surfers who may be bank robbers. So. That's a great synopsis, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> um, critics reviews then. So. Catherine Bigelow makes all this fun, tragic, and yes, deeply sexy without lingering too much on the bodies of the various surfers, male or female. I feel like they've... Not just sexy, deeply sexy. Yeah, I, f- I feel like that reviewer is concentrated way too much <laughs> on the body side of it. But the last thing you think about, surely. Well, they said they did it without focusing on the bodies. Yeah. Um, but... well, again, I, I, I query that because we see a naked woman knock the gun out of Keanu Reeves' hands in one of the scenes in the drug den. That wasn't the focus. Well, yeah, they're trying Maybe to tell me you. that's not the focus. How many naked women have we're you seen knock guns out of hands? We're separating, we're seeing the difference. <laughs> While the critics may yammer, Point Break delivers the frills, spills and crunches its action-hungry audience demands. 90s hit with intense action, graphic violence and surfing. <laughs> A nearly flawless marriage of the genre cliches of the classic 80s model cop action picture with the elevated physicality of the 90s action films to come. Point Break is the best movie about cops, robbers, surfing and skydiving that you're likely to see. (laughs) (laughs) That's like what we said about the world record where it's like uh, fastest doing the egg and spoon race with a leprechaun hat on and your shoelaces tied. Nobody else is competing for this. (laughs) Uh, The essence of movie remains unsullied, and with every viewing comes fresh details and a new appreciation for the film's fearlessness and originality in the midst of all the cop formula. Consistently stylish, dumb, and entertaining. It's probably the closest to a negative review here. Um, in some ways, Point Break is a guilty pleasure, but do keep in mind, like many drugs, repeated exposure may make you dumber. <laughs> there's fun to be had, but there's also a few chapters worth skipping through. We've got a rustler here amongst us. Looks like you, Jack. I can see you. There's fun to be had, but there's also a few chapters worth skipping through. While it can accurately be described as an action film, a heist movie, or even simply a thriller, Point Break is also the first extreme sports movie. 
The elements conspire to produce a superb splash of trashy testosterone-induced mayhem. I think is a positive review, but I'm not certain. <laughs> it has to be a good story before it's a good heist. Fortunately, Point Break has both. So I, I really like that review. That is very true. Bigelow forgot the most important ingredients for a successful action film. Plot and characters. So there you go, there's our negative review. <laughs> and the ultimate surfer bank robber movie. Dude, I'm with the FBI. <laughs> I felt like it worked, obviously, the first time watching it, but I, I definitely could sense its age. Like, there are times where I felt like it just didn't make sense. When, when, uh, when Keanu Reeves is running at one point, when they... When they see them robbing the bank um, the first time, and then he's like running after him, and then but then there's just no sound. It's just like the sound of him running. Like you think in normal films there'd be music playing or there'd be some kind of yeah. I like that. It felt more intense. But then I also find it really weird on the beach when um, he first meets um, Patrick Swayze's character as well, and then when Patrick Swayze's talking to him and he just doesn't say anything. It's like really awkward. <laughs> So no, camera, the camera, come on. doesn't say anything, the camera pants between the two of which I thought was um, weird again. But... Did everyone like it? I liked it, yeah. first time watching it. I, I really liked it. I'd go as far as say I loved it. Yeah, I'd say I loved it too. There's not many Keanu Reeves films where I don't love. I, feel, I don't know if he just makes great films where I just love that bloke. My first uh, pickup, like, five minutes in was when he's talking for the first time uh, to Tyler. And I was like, this sounds exactly what I assume Oz in American Pie is trying to do. Like, the voice yes. was, like, spot on. And I, I, and I instantly wrote down in, in the notes on my phone, like, is that, because obviously he's in there as being your stereotypical... Same haircut as well. And I thought, is that just what Oz is trying to do in that role there? Because it's literally... The way he kind of pauses with his voice, like the inflictions in his tone when he's speaking to a woman, everything was like nailed on the same. So I don't know if that's yeah. what he was trying to do, whether it's subconsciously or not. It's really funny because I noticed the exact same thing. That's so weird that you say it. It was spinning me out and I kind of had to put it out of my head so it didn't ruin the film for me. <laughs> um, Keenan, did you like it? I did. I did. Um... You didn't love it. No, no, I've really enjoyed it. I'd like, I, I will, well, I will, I've never seen it before, but I can tell you for a certain, I will definitely watch it again. Yeah. However, someone described it to, more than one person described it to me as one of the best films they've ever seen. And I would stop, <laughs> I would stop somewhere short of that. <laughs> See, what, it, it's a cult classic, so. It is so. I think that it, kind of film. I so think many it's been like like Napoleon Dynamite. And God, awful. Jack loves the Napoleon Dynamite. Yeah, I absolutely love it. I, th- I think it's solidified by the fact that it's the part that it plays in Hot Fuzz. See, yeah, I couldn't get that out of my mind. Same. I knew at that point. I thought that was the ending, so I thought I knew the ending before I'd watched it, which I was really annoyed about. Mm. Um, and then it's but, quite nice that it turns out it's not the ending. Yeah, I was um, buzzing. <laughs> it, like, it, I actually think it... Like, Knowing what I know now, I actually think I quite like it as the ending. Uh, or that being the last bit and then letting him get away and then finding him where they find yeah. him. Um, do, you, do you find it stranger that people would love Point Break or would love Hot Fuzz? So now I 
can't. I don't mind Hot Fuzz. I think it's. I, I think that's just an over familiarity because I've seen it that many times. Garbage film. Um, but I would much rather watch Point Break now than watch Hot Fuzz. <laughs> At least we were all we were all a fan because it would have been quite a, a bleak part if it was like Mad Max where three or four of us just despised the film. Going <laughs> um, I'll go through some trivia for you then. So. Patrick Swayze was an accomplished skydiver and took part in the big skydiving scene. He made 55 jumps in total while filming. Um, wow. 54 of those were without the set's permission because they <laughs> only assured him for the one jump and said that, look, we don't want you getting injured. You're our main man, kind of thing. And he kept sneaking off with some of the extras and the other filmmakers and going to the airport with them after filming and continuing skydiving. Fuck that. So we get where we say the film titles and they always end up with the perfect one, fortunately. So the film was originally called Johnny Utah when mm. Keanu Reeves was cast in the title role. Um, but the studio felt that it said very little about surfing, as you should see. And by the time Patrick Swayze was cast, the film had been renamed Riders on the Storm after the song by The Doors. However, the lyrics had nothing to do with the film, so the title was also rejected. And it was not until halfway through filming the point break became the title because of its relevance to surfing. By the way, what a fucking name Johnny Utah is. <laughs> it's, it's phenomenal. Yeah. It is just, it genuinely, it just, it's so perfect in this film. Like, yeah, perfect, it's perfect in the 90s, it's perfect in surfing and the rest of the, the extreme sports. You can imagine someone as a surfer, like, yeah, my name's Johnny Utah, whereas you can't really imagine an accountant being called Johnny Utah. So, it, it, it's, it's genuine, <laughs> it, it's lush. Um, Keanu Reeves observed real FBI agents in Los Angeles to study for the role, and he also practiced with the UCLA quarterback coaches to help with the football scene. This seems to me like using up all your expenses, because did he need to go and train with the UCLA coaches and <laughs> run no. along as an FBI agent, or is that kind of like no, no, I, have you seen, for my character? But have you seen the training? Like, If you have a look at the training, there's a video online of him doing an assault course, um, training for John Wick. And he's with like oh, yeah. uh, he's with with like a, spe- a special teams thing from like a police or the FBI or whatever. Mate, he just he mirrors everything they do, like the way they hold the gun, the way they move around corners, the way they drop. He like really goes and throws himself into it. It's fucking. I do. I'm with Jack. I just love Keanu Reeves. Yeah, I think as well that that ruins a lot of films for me. So I've recently rewatched the James Bond Pierce Brosnan films. God don't ask me why. Um, but some of them I went out on a limb saying he was the best Bond for a while so I'm not a big Bond guy yeah so the way that the bad guys in the army just like you know when they fire from the hip yeah it's not even fire it's like (laughs) holding it down by their knees and just like shaking it everywhere it's like that's not how you hold a gun I've never held a real gun in my life and not even I know that it's like um sorry no it's just basically going back to what you said about John Wick where if you see someone holding the gun properly in a film, you automatically engage more. It's instead like, um, of just Star Wars as well. I'm not a big Star Wars fan, but it's like you ever see like the storm never actually, yeah. never actually make a shot. Never yeah. actually, they never actually hit anyone. So it's fucking useless. They are just there for the like they are there for the narrative of Luke Skywalker rather than actually be, being engaged in it. But I do agree, it does bring realism is immersive. It's, it's, yeah. it's just it's as simple 100%. as that. Isn't it? Yeah, definitely. If we had guns over here, I'd, I'd absolutely be doing the Tomb Raider sideways gun hold, despite <laughs> it being the worst thing for accuracy and your wrist, because it does I, look cooler. 
cannot say I like guns whatsoever. No, but if you did, would you be doing the Tomb Raider sideways? <laughs> no. no, I would be doing the John Wick. Sl- I would be doing the John Wick slightly tilted on the shoulder, strolling around corners because it just <laughs> it looks it looks yeah. slick as fuck. So I like can't break yourself full. <laughs> I, I think I'd be doing the kind of I'd grab a kitchen knife or something if I had a home intruder and I had a gun or a pistol get one of those big kind of carving knives and do the old cod tactical where you can just like <laughs> stab out whilst resting your gun on the top of your hand I've held a, I've held and shot a real gun and part of it because I was really hungover but just did not like it at all <laughs> <laughs> I took one shot and then just left and I felt sick but... <laughs> There's That's a picture power. of Troy with some big life on Russian gun somewhere that's like the coolest thing in the world. <laughs> the impression you get when you hear about like Americans and home invasions is like that they break in and they're not scared. They're like, this is my lucky day here. Yeah. So yeah, when I was, well, when I did it, it was an American gun range and like, it's a family day out. I remember sitting in the like waiting room and then family come in like father mother and then this like 12 year old kid who's got a massive machine gun just wrapped around his arm (laughs) (laughs) men um johnny utah became an fbi agent after a knee injury ended his football career in real life Keanu reeves was was once an aspiring hockey player who suffered a knee injury and so went on to become an actor losing to rapid vienna lovely the the one thing about the character is when he finds out that the, um, the girl he's asked his name, um, her parents are dead. And he like smiles to himself. <laughs> and he goes, ah, oh, dead parents, I can work with that. It's like, oh, come on. Um, according to Gary Busey, Patrick Swayze was so nuts about skydiving that he actually badgered him until he agreed to go with him after filming. So... Gary Busey skydiving, that's a sight to see. <laughs> Leno passing the ball to their striker, lovely. Um, the scene in which Utah jumps after Bodie without a parachute was actually tested by Mythbusters in 2003. It was determined that Utah and Bodie would not have been able to freefall for 90 seconds as in the film, nor would they have been able to hold a conversation in midair. However, it was determined that by streamlining his body, Utah could have conceivably caught it with Bodhi after jumping from the plane. So there you go. Yeah. Um, 20th Century Fox had made plans for a sequel to the film to be released in the summer of 93. A script had been written was in pre-production, but despite the film grossing 90 million worldwide, the studio decided to scrap the project. Oh, gutted. I think it's probably that, for the best, to be fair. Saying that, Speed is one of my all-time favourite films, and Speed 2 is shite. So one of the last, I think it's probably the last episode of round one. No, nice. Um, the beach spot where the football game is played at the beginning of the film is the same spot used for the football game in the Karate Kid in 1984. Patrick oh. Swayze cracked four ribs while filming the surfing scenes. Um... Swayze is not the one wearing the Regan mask during the foot chase sequence. Instead, his stunt double Scott Wilder performed the scene because Swayze was in Europe to impress the ghost. Um, I don't know if any of you clocked that um, one of the 
kind of bad guys in the surfing crew that they first think are um, the ex-presidents is Anthony Kiedis of the Red Hot Chili Peppers. So there's a Rex Ryan inductee for you, Sean. Oh, no, I didn't, didn't clock that, now. So they say second unit director and stunt coordinator Glenn Wilder held fight training sessions for the cast on weekends and because um, Bigelow wanted the actors to do their own uh, fights on screen without stuntmen. Anthony Kiedis decided not to turn up and miss the training, so uh, the director had his character knocked out with the first punch. <laughs> that was a uh, slap in the face for him. Um, officially uncredited, James Cameron and Catherine Bigelow rewrote the final script together. They were also husband and wife, which I later found out. So they were sat at home together, rewind, point break. Catherine Bigelow fought to have Keanu Reeves cast as Johnny Utah, insisting she wouldn't film the movie without it. The studio and producers were interested in looking at higher-profile actors at the time, like Johnny Depp. That would have been such a worse film, and I like Johnny Depp. I can see but... him doing the role, to be fair. But, obviously, I don't think he has the same charm as Keanu. No. Patrick Swayze originally auditioned for the part of Johnny Utah that landed the role of Bodhi. As well as Johnny Depp being who the studio were interested in, they actually offered, behind the back of uh, Catherine Bigelow, the role to, of Johnny Utah to Matthew Broderick. Wow. <laughs> and as well as Matthew Broderick, they offered it to Charlie Sheen, <laughs> my man, Willem Dafoe, who seems to be another one who's offered just about every role. They go to Mel Gibson and then him. Um, and Val Kilmer. So it could have been a very different film. <laughs> I wish we had Charlie Sheen in there. That would have been hilarious. Uh, Ridley Scott was the first choice to direct the movie, but he instead directed Thelma and Louise. The word fuck is said 100... Uh, 105 times. The film was originally about skateboarding rather than surfing. I don't know if at the end he would have gone up a massive half pipe or something. (laughs) (laughs) Tried to do like a flip. (laughs) (laughs) Broke his neck. He's not coming back. (laughs) Was released the same weekend as Boys in the Hood on July 12th, 91. Big weekend of cinema. The members of the ex-presidents are killed in chronological order of when their respective presidents served in office. Mm. Uh, the body count of the film is 10. And when Johnny Utah is listing the places he followed Bodie to, he says Bodie had lunch at Patrick's Roadhouse. Obviously, two years prior, Patrick Swayze was the lead in the film Roadhouse. So there you go. Nice. Sean, do you have any hypotheticals for us for Point Break? Uh, I wasn't really sure on this one. The only thing I could think of was like how far, how if you think if you went undercover, like what's the furthest you'd go? Would you see yourself falling into that where you go on the other side? Like obviously he lets him go, but how far do you think you go on the undercover side? I was going to say, do you, do you take that shot at Swayze? Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm thinking that I... they sell Patrick Swayze as being the guy that kind of everyone wants to be mates with. He's like my worst nightmare with his party <laughs> in all the time. 
<laughs> I, I'd be out of the undercover ASAP. I can't, I can't take it anymore, <laughs> Bob. I can't take it. I feel that it gets glossed over because it's an action film. But how irresponsible and how many deaths Keanu Reeves and Johnny Utah cause. So he caused the death of his partner for the sake of a woman. Like, <laughs> and he also caused the death of a few people within the bank in the final high scene as well. One being a police officer, one being a security officer. In fairness, all he, because he I don't think he's the one to blame there. All because he did, he could have foiled the plan, though, is what I'm saying. If he wasn't so then attached. Then probably more people would have been killed. Well, no, because he would have just killed his girlfriend, wouldn't he? Because he could have foiled the plan. I mean, he didn't have a gun, so there's more of them than him. They would have just taken him out. <laughs> the lawnmower yeah. causing everyone to die in the drug house. That lawnmower, yeah. I was like <laughs> clinging on when his face was close to that, despite knowing quite obviously his face wasn't about to be shredded by a lawnmower. <laughs> I was still like shaking watching that. What made makes a good me... makes a good second half of the film if it does. Well, I'll be honest. <laughs> yeah. around like two things. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> what I found funny though is that that lawnmower, all he had to do was push it away from him because lawnmowers <laughs> aren't that heavy. Can't put his hands in them blades. No, no, he had his hands on the lawnmower, though. Didn't he? Whereas he was, like, trying to keep his face away from it. He's doing, like, a press-up on it. All he had to do was just push the lawnmower a bit hey. further away. Let's hold you by a lawnmower and see if you can push it away. <laughs> that could be a good 200 episode for the pod, actually. As long as it's not a ride-on one, I fancy my chances. <laughs> um, if we go on to, then, rewatchability. I think this is quite a rewatchable film. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. I will. I will be watching it again for sure. It's this a, falls... it's an action film without being too serious, isn't it? Like it's not. It's not a tough watch. Yeah. No. Like this falls into King's category of if it's going if I ever see it on TV, it's going on. Yeah. It, yeah. I agree. Now, actually, I'd put put it in the same same vein. If I yeah. see if I'm flicking through and it's on whatever one of the Sky movies it is, then yeah, I'll definitely, I would definitely stop and watch it. Yeah. The rewatchability here is what Mad Max thinks it is. Because that's billed as one of the most rewatchable in the bracket when you look at the reviews. Yeah. Crikey me. I won't be rewatching that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I can help it. I'd rather watch paint dry. I know, it's a cli- I know it's a cliche, but honestly, get a bit of Magnolia on my wall and I'll be watching that. <laughs> <laughs> If we go on to the the quotes, so you am dumb and full of cum. Yeah, <laughs> that's some great right. quotes in there. <laughs> hey, you're a real blue flame special, aren't you, son? Young, dumb, and full of cum. I know. What I don't know is how how you got yourself assigned out here to Los Angeles with us. I mean, how? I guess we just must have ourselves an asshole shortage, huh? Not so far. The the one that got me the most was, uh, Sir, I take the skin off my chicken, sir. <laughs> that did make me think of, as I always say, Cartman stealing all the skin off the chicken and putting <laughs> yeah. it back in the bucket. That's the most evil thing he ever did. <laughs> um, the bit in the beginning. You know when we spoke last week about an actor plays a character and that's all you can see? So, yeah. Do- Dr. Cox from Scrubs. Yeah, yeah. Whatever he's in, he's Dr. Cox to me. Um, in the beginning, when he was going through 
I can't remember it word for word, but you know nothing. And if you think you know nothing, then at least that's a start. That yeah. kind of line, that was brilliant. No, I'm, so that was... I'm so hungry I could eat the arse end out of a dead rhino. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know Gary Busey was such a kind of big thing purely because it's sold as Swayze and uh, Keanu. Mm. I assumed I would have known before that Gary Busey was such a kind of big feature in there. I did. I don't know if you. Sorry, if you've said this about twenty minutes ago, but since watching Entourage, I can't get, I can't get away from that version of Gary Busey. No, I haven't said it. But yeah, I said it yeah. to you after uh, when we started watching it. Yeah, I, I genuinely can't get that fucking yeah, I'm convinced out of my head. How he is, but like a Family Guy do the same thing. So I like it, the conception of him is that he is just nuts. Wasn't he on Big Brother at some point? I have no idea. I'm sure he went on Big Brother and was, to put it nicely, a freak there as well. Yeah, he's a fucking oddity, but he is, I, I really, I, I got to say, I quite like it. Yeah, he, he won Celebrity Big Brother 24 seasons. <laughs> Fair play. What a boy. After becoming the surprise victim of the housemate's pack mentality. Oh. Well, the lowest ever watched Big Brother series on Channel 4. Runner-up, Audley Harrison. What a combination that is. <laughs> Audley and Gary Busey. Let's see who else he was in there with. Kelly Maloney. <laughs> Ricky from Geordie Shore. Stephanie Pratt from The Hills. Lauren Goodger from Towie. That awful James Jordan bloke from Strictly. Uh... Oh, it's Ricky from Geordie Shore. <laughs> I'm just looking at Gary Busey's filmography and he's in Piranha 3 Double D. Unreal <laughs> film. That's an unreal film. I've never seen it. <laughs> <laughs> at, at the end, at the, the twist is that this guy's um, legs where he's been in a wheelchair the whole time um, have actually been machine shotguns. And he says, bring me my what? legs. And he starts shooting the piranhas. <laughs> what? <laughs> it's unbelievable. And you've got... Um, it sounds unbelievable. A piranha um, coming out of a, a bloke's end. I don't know the right way to put that on a podcast. <laughs> um, so, yeah, you've got all sorts in that film. Definitely one to watch. You missed out not seeing it in 3D, though, I'm afraid. <laughs> sure it is. Uh, other quotes that we had. Um, Last time you had a feeling I had to kill a guy, and I hate that. It looks bad on my report. Six seconds, we're going to be meat waffles. Uh, I've been to every city in Mexico, came across an unclaimed piece of meat in Baja. Turned out to be Rosie. Guess how you picked. Guess he picked the knife fight with somebody better. Found a passport of yours in Sumatra. Missed you by about a week in Fiji. But I knew you wouldn't miss the 50-year storm boulder. Quite like yeah. that. It's just a nice little summation. I've been to every city in Mexico. Came across an unclaimed piece of meat in Baja. Turned out to be Rosie. Guess he picked a knife fight with somebody better. Found a passport of yours in Sumatra. Missed you by about a week in Fiji. But I knew you wouldn't miss a 50-year storm, Bodie. All I've had in my head is uh, him saying, this is your wake-up call. I am an FBI agent. Whiny voice. 
Hmm. When he says, uh, when he says, like, sarcastic, that vision is highly overrated. <laughs> and, uh, and I've got where he says, um, let me know if you find Jimmy Hopper under the seat while you're at it. Yeah. <laughs> 22 years, man. LA, LA has changed a lot during that time. The air got dirty and the six got clean. Basic dog psychology. If you're scared of getting them peeing down their leg, they submit. But if you project weakness, that promotes violence. And that's how people get hurt. It's a great line for a heist film. Did you say someone said life sure has a sixth sense of humour? No, they haven't. I want to tell you something. I was in this bureau when you was still popping zits on your funny face and jerking up with a lingerie section of the Sears catalogue. <laughs> I also like... Uh... And on top of that, they got me babysitting some quarterback punk named Johnny, Johnny, Johnny Unitas or something. The shit they pull her. Uh, punk. Quarterback punk. That's the end of it. Yeah, I agree. If we go on to, uh, best moment slash scene. For me, it would be the, the heist that goes wrong. Yeah, the last, the last bank rob scene. Fair, I won't argue. As much, I was gonna say, I was gonna say, as much as I hate the thought of it, I actually quite like the skydive. Yeah, I, I, that, was, that would be my, probably my second pick of the scene where he's asking yeah. for his jacket and he's like, "You're cold because your body's losing blood," and he just tells him to shut up and <laughs> give him his parachute. Um, Jack, what about you? It's going to have to be the end scene. Uh, well, I think the parachute scene, just because it's so unbelievable. <laughs> um, or the, so the actual... rustling over the actual, you there, Jack. It's not me. No, sorry, um, you have to repeat it. All uh, right, no, it's... Yeah, the skydive, the skydive scene, or the final scene where he just walks off, he's not <laughs> coming back. That's just brilliant. Like. <laughs> and then he's... What I don't get is he's thrown his FBI badge in the sea in Australia because like this thing, and they have no jurisdiction over there anyway. <laughs> that's, why got, that's why he's got the Aussie copper with him, isn't he? Yeah, he'll, he'll arrest him. <laughs> yeah, he can do the job. I always find um, it funny as well, like you couldn't just go back to America and get another one. So <laughs> I lost it. Um, best side character, are we giving that to Papa? Beauty. Yeah. Yeah, I'd say so. I think. Oh, um, and most creative use of weaponry, what would that be? See, uh, this is, I've been waiting for this one. Where, um, Brody throws the dog at him. <laughs> like, it's, but he just, not even like sets the dog upon him, he throws the dog onto I him. I can, I can confirm they did, they did that in two parts. So the one part, actually a dog, where throwing it to him. And then the other one of him dropping and kicking away a fake <laughs> dog. So no dogs Good. were harmed in the making of that scene. If we go into the categories then where we will pick our winner. So if we start from the top, Jack, which film did you prefer? Oh, it's so tricky. I'm going to have to say Gladiator, purely because I'm trying to think back to the first time I watched it, because obviously Point Break is going to be fresh in our minds, because it's the first time we've ever watched it, so I'm 
And I went back to Gladiator, and I think the, the feeling I had when I first watched Gladiator, I'm going to have to go Gladiator. Keenan? Yeah, Gladiator. Sean? Yeah, same. same. Similar thoughts to what Jack said. But, yeah. I'm in agreement. Uh, rewatchability. Keenan? I'm going to switch it up. If, if now, I would be more inclined to rewatch Point Break. Jack? I'd agree. Point Break for me. Sean? Yeah, same. And I'm in agreement there also. Hmm, true. Best quote then across the two films. Keenan. Do you want the quote? It's just from Gladiator, isn't it? Take your pick, mate, honestly. Yeah, Yeah, same. would be, I will have my vengeance in this life or the next. For the last three days, I've been trying to think of a situation where I can maybe find a way to say that to someone I, uh, I, I, quite, I quite I honestly it might just be you're not entertained that just hypes you yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, sure. you might... sorry I was just uh... going to say you might at times have used that five aside. side <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah I mean it, it would be that as well um, if the, my one would be the, the vengeance in this one or the next um, an honourable mention to young gentleman for the was was yours gladiator jack just it was yeah okay best moment slash scene if we stick with you jack what's your best moment slash scene across the two films it's gladiator again again take your pick i think the siege of carthage the one where the chariots are just everywhere it's just absolute carnage mayhem it's just brilliant uh what about you sean uh, Gladiator, but for me it'd be the, the, the last battle scene where, where he kills Commodore. Big David Louise, baby. We're back. <laughs> um, I, I would go for him revealing his identity to, uh, Commodus. Uh, oh shit, yeah. And Keenan, what about you? You can take that, you can take the, you, honestly, it's just Gladiator. Just any, anyone, any one of the men, mentioned ones. Coliseum fight with the Tigers, which I just adore every time. Um, MVP then. So we did clarify off the pod our explanation of this rule because we did have two very different ones in that I was picking my favourite character. Sean was going with um, who we felt the most important character to their film was. Um, and I guess between the rest of us, we had a mould of the two depending on what film it was so we've gone with who the most important character in the film is whether they're integral to the plot whether they have a deciding role where the lead character maybe couldn't continue without them for example we had Ezekiel when we did Sex Drive so Sean who would your MVP across both films be? <laughs> so hang on you've talked about them so what, which one are we actually going for? Who is the mo- most important character? He was the most important Okay. Well, I think you have to go with Maximus. I think Johnny Utah probably is pretty important, but as a general rule across both films, it's going to have to be Maximus. Anyone else disagree with that? No. No, I'm happy with that. The only thing about preference or with sort of importance to the film is 50, it's going to be 50 50 in 9 out of 10 of them. Because without the villain, without the villain, the story for the, for the, the hero or the protagonist just don't know, is it? Well, this like is my case, but uh, if 
if Bodie and if Bodie and out Robin Banks, then Johnny Uso, I don't need to go and find the ex-president. So, I, but yeah, Maximus would be my pick as well. Yeah, but then I think, well, again, it, maybe it was easier with the comedies, because sometimes in comedies where there's like two or three of them, or yeah. and then there's others where it's just like the one off the main guy. So, um, most menacing villain. Hard to go against Commodus here, isn't it? Yeah. yeah, yeah. Patrick Patrick Swayze. I said this to some at work earlier, and they laugh. But Patrick Swayze is genuinely too pretty to be menacing. <laughs> He's actually probably one of the nicest bank robbers. Yeah, I know. He actually openly admits he hates violence, but he lets his mates do it. Yeah, and that money's insured. Don't forget, exactly. He's not taking the people's money. Uh, best side character across the two films. Pathless. That that would be my pick as well. Who's um, your pick? Pappas. See, I went Busey on this. Yeah, that's, that's the same bloke. Oh, Pappas. sorry, I thought you were on about... <laughs> no, yeah. My mistake. I thought you were going for Maximus's uh, Gladiator mate. Juba. That's it. Got them mixed up. They do sound similar, to be fair. Uh, I've gone Proxima on this. <laughs> Proxima. Yeah. Awful bloke, really. I don't know why you're giving him such uh, credence, but... Well, it's not most likable side character, is it? Up the Arsenal. 2-1. But it does go to King Busey there, so... Action per minute. My my pick for Point Break here, you've got less runtime, and I do think you have more action across the film than you have with uh, Gladiator. Yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll give you that. What about you, Sean? Yeah, I was thinking it's a tough one, but yeah, when you break it down on, on the time aspect, um, yeah, there is a lot of like walking around talking in, in Gladiator, so... Yeah, I'll give it point break as well. Um, Jack? See, I went Gladiator just because of how many battle scenes there are. There always seems to be something going on. I can see why point break has got it, but I've gone Gladiator for me. Kill count on screen, so that is Gladiator quite uh, <laughs> strongly there. Bodie wasn't savage enough. Um, most creative use of weaponry. So we've got a lot of different ones here. You've got the dog. You've got Commodus's chest, as I said. You've got the axe in the foot. You've got uh, using the base of the sword. What's your pick, Jack? Um, I'm going for the dog. I just wasn't expecting it. <laughs> of all the things because in that film, there's if we had Alex on here, he would say that the most egregious thing is throwing that dog at Keanu Reeves. Yeah, or the lawnmower. But then it was never really used as a weapon. I guess it was, just he well, not successfully. Yeah, yeah, that's true. <laughs> yeah, I, I think I would I would go for Point Break there also. Um, Sean, what about you? Uh, yeah, the Point Break as well. Keenan? Yeah, like the dog is more creative. Using the, using sort of the, the hilt of a sword whilst it is 
creative. I mean, it does only have two ends, so. It's, I mean, could you is... put the could you put the lawnmower in that as well? Yeah, that's what <laughs> you just said. Yeah, where yeah. have you been for the last two minutes? <laughs> it cut out a little bit. I wasn't sure if you said it. Um, yeah, the lawnmower or the, or the dog. The dog probably is a winner because it like as much as I know it's not supposed to, but it did make me chuckle. <laughs> um, best soundtrack: Gladiator or Point Break, Keenan. Well, I mean, for the I I think it's Gladiator, but I know it's a it is scored, but a obviously like you said, it's sold ridiculously well. I'm pretty sure it got nominated. That got nominated for an Oscar. Yeah, and it does fit. It's just it's it is it is just perfect to the film. Yes, yeah, that's what happens when you get Legend of the Game Hans Zimmer in. Like, what about on, you, Jack? My missus dad actually plays the famous Gladiator tune. You know the last <laughs> one. I'm not going to sing it for you, but. I've heard him play it, so it. I, I feel that the Point Break soundtrack was actually really good. There's some great songs in there, They're wrong. Um, but it's hard to argue with Gladiator. It's just the fact that it's original as well. What about Gladiator. you, Sean? Yeah, same Gladiator. All right then. So I'll just have another look at the Point Break one. Um, originality. Gladiator or Point Break, Sean. It's oh, open. You won't come to me first, do you? Don't really know because what you've got: undercover cops or Roman battles. Maybe I'd probably give it to Point Break just on the fact that surfing is also put into it as well, <laughs> as opposed to anything else. So probably Point Break. My my pick is Point Break as well. Then what about you, Keenan? Yeah, Point Break. Jack. What for best film? No originality. Originality, sorry mate. Cut out a bit for some reason. Am I cutting out or is it? No, I don't know. It just I didn't hear what the question was. Uh, yeah, um, originality. I think for me it's gonna have to be Gladiator because although Commodore was a real person, I feel the storyline is very good and very well worked. I'm going Gladiator. Alright, um, so then we have Bigger Impact. Keenan. Gladiator. I do have a contrasting look at this. Um, bigger Impact, if you go Point Break, eventually goes on to launch the Fast and Furious franchise, which launched The Rock into the elite to being the biggest movie star in the world launches Keanu Reeves into the action genre and so births the Matrix as it goes on to be. Yeah, well, I mean, was he their first? He wasn't their first choice for the Matrix, was he? Well, they wouldn't even considered him probably if he hadn't done an action film in Point Break. Yeah, I mean, you could maybe argue he doesn't get speed without it, but I think they wanted to. He might have done anyway. I just, my only thing for Gladiator is I think it's endured. I know it's not as it would be its 20th anniversary as opposed to its 30th, but I think it has endured. A lot more. Yeah, I, I watched it and it didn't feel old. Like some two thousands films really feel old. Whereas I mean, it didn't. Even just as a, even just as an impact and as something that people remember, I think it has endured a lot more, and it, it, it still still does. What about you, Sean? Sorry. You go, Sean, mate. Oh right, yeah, I was waiting. I didn't know if you could say something. Um. Yeah, I think that is a tough one. 
yeah, my, I've got right, written down about Point Break in terms of similar things that Byron said about the Fast and Furious franchise and Canaries and etc. But I still probably edge it to Gladiator just because um, it's such an iconic film and it it, it does te- last the test of time as well. So yeah, Gladiator. The Rock wasn't getting a look in based on the Scorpion King. I can tell you that. <laughs> Get slapped on. Or the Tooth Fairy. Um, which film has the better ending? To clash that one. Two very good endings. But there is a the the whilst there is a clash, they are actually fairly similar. No, no, I meant just kind of. Oh, uh, in terms of how good they are. Yeah. I was going to say, they, I mean, the character did both essentially walk off. One literally walks off into the long grass, but it's still the same. They both essentially just walk off into the long grass um, and go the way they want to go. So it, I prefer the gladiator ending, but even as I'm saying it, I'm not 100% sold on it. Uh, Jack, what about you? Going gladiator. Seeing this kid. Uh, I'll go in point break. More on that it annoys me that he dies. That's why I'm going point break. <laughs> I'm going point break as well, so we've got our first tie of the matchup there. And chemistry. Let's go on the gladiator or point break, Sean. Uh point break on Keanu and Busey's chemistry. I'm going for Keanu and Swayze, but what about you, Keenan? Yeah, point break, big Keanu and Swayze. Although, as a foil, as sort of a hero and villain, you got to say Maximus and Ma- Maximus and Com- Commodus. They yeah, are great in, in the scenes together. But I think I know it sounds odd, and I hope it makes sense. But I think that's more to do with the acting ability than the characters. It's just two okay. fucking two unbelievable actors with great dialogue. It doesn't yeah. really matter. You can you can change. Who they are in the film and the scenes are still going to be, would still be mustered. Whereas mm. Keanu and Swayze, you sort of, you see the bond or see, see them grow together. And what about you, uh, Jack? Agreed. I'm going Johnny Utah and Busey. All right. So it is an 8-6 win for Gladiator with one tie in there. So. That seemed close. That seemed closer than it was. That makes sense. It does, uh, but that is how he has crumbled, as uh, Bruce Almighty uh, tells you. Keenan, I know that you need to go at some point. We've got some more things to get into before we call it a wrap. So, if and when you need to go, then feel free to. Uh, yeah, I got. I got five minutes. Um. So we've got our points to consider. We haven't done these so far, but we did it for the comedy bracket and it gives us a nice little edge to talk about it without being in a competitive or scoring sense for these. So Gladiator, Russell Crowe is quite obviously the star of the film, but when it comes to the real star of the film, for me, Joaquin Felix is um, he's the show stealer in his role as a Commodus. And I don't know if anyone else thinks that he's the real star or if uh, Russell Crowe does enough to keep his place I think you're right in the sense that when you told us that kind of trivia about Joffrey Baratheon (laughs) 
kind of base in the character. You can see it. He's like, almost he's essentially Nick the hairstyle as well, isn't he? That slick down, yeah, yeah. slick down all, all, like little mop. He's basically Nick that off uh, Joaquin as well, isn't he? Pale and skin out a bit. I just think like a cruel. The cruelty factor makes it even worse than just a hard mentalist factor. If that makes sense, because he'll do anything to really hurt you emotionally. I think, yeah. He, what do you? He's one, of, he's one of the bad guys you don't want to come across. What do you think, Keenan, in terms of the real star? I would still go with Maximus, and I know it's probably a stupid answer, but I will give it nonetheless. It is basically just because when I think of Gladiator, I think Crow, not no, Phoenix. Yeah. Now that's what that's what I would think of. Like the example is when you think of American Pie, then Stifler Stifler's is the one you think of. He's, he's the one you think of. So no, I get you. And Sean, what do you think? Uh, yeah, probably similar. I think Commodus uh, across both films, he's the only one I can think of that you would think of as possibly being another star outside of the obvious ones. Well, yeah. when when it comes to Point Break, do you consider Keanu or Swayze as uh, as the real star? Well, I consider Keanu. Someone's falling over it, sounds like. Yeah. Who who do you consider the real star, Jack? Same, Keanu. Keenan? Yeah, it's the same, mate. It's Keanu as well. Are you getting ready as uh, you're on it, by any chance? Yes, yes, I am. <laughs> I thought <laughs> we can hear that. Um, so I've got some fan theories um, that from the depths of the internet. For both films, so the fan theory for Gladiator is they say, remember at the beginning of Gladiator when Maximus is giving his speech to the army before the battle, it says that if they find themselves riding alone in fields of green with the sun on their face, do not be worried for they're in Elysium and they're already dead. So this person's theory is that at the very beginning of the movie, after the writing when Maximus is running his hands through the grass, it then cuts to him preparing for the battle and so they think he's already dead and the rest of the movie is like a flashback of the events that led to his death. I actually quite like that as a theory because of the ending. Yeah. So he comes almost full circle. If he wakes up or if he's already dead, you get to see him walk back in and walk back through the grass. It's not to say there's some people that think he dies in that battle and the rest of it is his journey to the afterlife. So mm. that would very much be a... I bet you're wondering how I got here. <laughs> and a slightly more off-key fan theory for Point Break so headline here Johnny Utah became John Wick after tossing his badge in the ocean he knows he couldn't go back to his old life after letting a criminal like Bodie go that may not have been the moment he became John Wick but it was definitely the moment he stopped being Johnny Utah <laughs> <laughs> says there are a few connections I've made that lead me to think that Johnny Utah became John Wick and that John Wick and Point Break occur in the same universe. Firstly, they both drive classic Mustangs. The next thing I noticed is that both love interests are very similar looking women. This is a stonewall theory here. <laughs> in Point Break, Johnny's motivation becomes to save and keep his girl safe, the same girl he blows his cover with after falling in love with her. In John Wick, he goes on a rampage after someone destroyed a memory of his wife. Lowe is a powerful motivator in both John slash Johnny's life. After throwing his badge away, he had to go underground. 
maybe some case you remembered hearing about led into the criminal underworld where someone like him could get a new identity and find work with a particular set of skills. It ate him up inside, just like how it did when he was in the bank with Bodhi. He let it go, but he had to keep going. That's the source of his incredible will. He meets Helen, who reminds him of Tyler. He's finally able to start over. He's got his girl, he's got his car, he's got his freedom. But when that's taken from him, he goes back to Johnny Utah. Also, as an added bonus, it makes sense as to why John Wick would fall in love with the Payday Gang, a gang of top-tier thieves that wear masks. Sounds like something Johnny Utah is comfortable with, for sure. As they say, it's the same universe as the video game Payday. So, there we go. That's your fan theory for Johnny Utah becomes John Wick. Recasting one role, then. Um, Keenan just dipped out, by the way, if uh, anyone wondered. Sean, do you have a recasting for us? Yeah, I've got one for Gladiator, and it's Sean Bean as Maximus. (laughs) <laughs> mainly because he dies at the end. But I also think he could do the role. Okay. See you in a minute. I've got one for Gladiator also. Um, we're going to replace Lucius with a uh, young Cole slash Dylan Sprouse from Big Daddy. Who's going to fill in? Not well, a bad shout, though. Do you have a recasting, Jack? I've gone recasting Commodus with David Spade. Recasting <laughs> Commodus is very bold. <laughs> I just think... alone with David Spade. I, I thought this was like a jokey one. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it goes thought... either way. Um... <laughs> that, that would be like the funniest to see a David Spade character play Commodus. Lucilla is a Beal or Beckinsale. I replaced with Kira Knightley or Rosamund Pike to play Tyler in uh, Point Break. Kira Knightley essentially fits the pale hair brunette, and Rosamund Pike can surf. So there you go. Rosamund hmm. Pike. Yeah. Who's that? From I'm Gone Girl. Having a, I'm having a double check about who she is. The woman in Gone Girl, Sean. All oh, right. Yeah. 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 Well, she's too, uh, I hate her too much in Gone Girl. To, uh, I do usually yeah, find someone that I try to, um, find work for in this, like Jay Baruchel. I tried finding him some work um, in the last one. So I originally was going to go for Brittany Murphy as Tyler, but in the nicest way possible, I think these two might need the work more. Yeah. So there we go. Then we had, if the cast swapped, which film works best? (laughs) (laughs) I think Point Break works best, probably. Yeah, I'd probably say, I'd have to say Point Break, because I'm not seeing Keanu Reeves as Maximus. I'm going Gladiator works better, because I don't see Russell Crowe as Johnny Utah. I can see Commodus. I can see Joaquin Phoenix as, um, as, oh. Bodhi? Bodhi, yeah, that's it, yeah. Um, if you had to add Tom Cruise or The Rock to this movie, which would you choose? Now, I did think with this, should we make it so 
we can't go for like the rock for both. So you've got to put Tom Cruise in one and you've got to put the rock in the other and vice versa. Well, I think given that, I mean, I, I think you could put Cruise in Point Grace and yeah. probably, and yeah, you, you put the rock in the gladiator. Yeah, the rock can be, um, the unbeaten gladiator that they send out. Yeah. He can do that well enough. He's played that role about 8,000 times before, so get a nice people's elbow in on Maximus before <laughs> he eventually chucks the axe in his foot. Um, and then Tom Cruise, he could just be one of the ex-presidents, surely. Yeah. Which president would he be? Reagan. Going Obama. <laughs> in a remake. And Rex Ryan Hall of Fame inductees, Jack, um, I know you weren't around for the first season, so essentially this is any cameo that we get in the film. So, obviously you get a lot more in comedies, but we had one in uh, Bad Boys 2, didn't we, Sean? And Yeah, Dan Marino in Bad Boys 2. And then see, Rex Ryan... Hall of Fame. I was going to say the guy from uh, Scrubs, but it's not really a cameo. No, the same but Ahmed Jalini, surely. Is he in it? Ahmed Jalini's in Gladiator, isn't he? Yeah, see, I thought this. I turned around and said, so, that's Ahmed Jalini. Uh, yeah. I can never say his name. I thought, like, that's him. I'm sure it's him. Yeah, it's definitely him. Yeah, so, yeah, I'm going to have to go in. So he's, Anthony Kiedis he's... gets in in Point Break as well. Yeah, yeah. Probably both of those two. I think Marino is, would be the clear winner at the moment, but, um, yeah, homage of Lydia. Because it, that is, like Jack said, every time I watch it, I think, that really is him, isn't it? How is, how is yeah. it? There we go, I'm just updating the score now. Uh, so, Gladiator has gone through to the next round. To face the winner of next week's matchup, the Fugitive against Man on Fire. Ooh. And this is one where I haven't seen either. You've not seen either? Okay, you're in for a treat with Man on Fire. I've not seen The Fugitive, so... You're in for a treat with The Fugitive. It's great. Harrison My Ford man, Harrison best. Ford. I love All Harrison right, Ford. Alright, well, that does it. So, thanks again for listening to another edition of Movie Madness. We'll be back next week. Adios.